we'll find out. Are you ready? One, two, three. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. First time I think I've ever made it. Hallelujah. Well, you can stay if you want. No, you go sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Bill's fun to be with. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I do have a funny story, but it's a funny story on me. But Pastor Bill loves it. Uh, where are you going, honey? You might have to help me with this. Uh, <laughs> at least he's honest. Um, uh, two nights ago, I woke up, and um, the Lord, at, at that time, he, I woke up, and then I started thinking of someone, and I just felt to pray for him, and I just I couldn't get any peace to go to sleep. I just kept feeling like God wanted me to pray, and, uh, you know, so I just prayed the way I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me, but I noticed that Pastor Bill wasn't in the bed anymore, so I thought, well, where did he go? It's like 3.15, so I... I go check in this back bedroom where if he's going to read late, that's where he is. And he was there. So I go back and get in bed. Well, then I couldn't go back to sleep. So I went to pass. Yes, that's when I went back in. <laughs> and I said, could you pray for me? Because I can't go to sleep. And I even tried going in the third bedroom <laughs> that we have and tried sleeping in there. And I, you know, so I, I, in desperation, I went back. Because sometimes if he prays for me, I don't know. I just go to sleep. And uh, he's always said to me, it'll be all right. When he says it'll be all right, I just trust in that and believe it. It isn't always all right, but I, I trust in him. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have my confidence in God. I believe he hears from God. So I say, okay, it's all right. doesn't look all right, but it's all right. And so, but I, I, he, I went in there. So he said, well, where are you? I go, well, I'm in this other bedroom. So here he comes. He said, I'll just lay down in there with you. And, and I'll just be with you. I said, okay. So we get in this bed that we never sleep in. It's when we have guests. So third, third bed for the night for him, second for me. And now it's like 4, 4.15. And uh, <laughs> I realize after I lay down that he likes a fan on. And in that room, there was no fan on. There were fans in every other room. But, so I got up to turn the fan on, but I couldn't see to plug it in because the light wasn't on. So I went to turn the light on, hit my glass of water, spilled it all over under the fan. <laughs> and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I spilled my water. He said, oh, why don't you just plug it in and electrocute yourself and we'll get, all get some sleep. <laughs> well, then I cracked up so much, I didn't go sleep for another hour. Every time I think that, I'd start laughing. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's snoring away. He's back. He's back at Never Never Land. Hallelujah. Well, you don't even, that's not even a joke. That was real. Hallelujah. Well, we're, we're on the last, I believe, of uh, Did You Know? Everybody say, Did You Know? You might as well laugh about it because, you know, you can't be upset. It, you know, just might as well be happy. Uh, tonight's third part is Your Prayers Are Powerful. Did you know your prayers are par powerful? And I, uh, we've shared in this uh, series that um, the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 was given to us by God so that we could hear from God. Uh, Jesus died on Calvary uh, so that he could restore fellowship between mankind and God. And it was so God could have fellowship just like he had with Adam in the garden. And so through the voice of God, through the Holy Spirit, we can, we can hear from God. In John 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice. And so we can be in communication with the Lord. And he says he will give us all things that we need to know through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will tell us the things that God wants us to know, even things that are to come. How many of you would like to know what's coming? You know, and we don't, you know, that doesn't mean it's like uh, somebody reading palms or something like that. That's, that's Satan's way. When you hear from God, you can count on what God says because he is the one that makes that word good in our lives. And so 
uh, we talked about Jeremiah 33, 3 that says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. And so we were talking about how in Mary, did you know that song? Uh, it tells things, it's actually like a question, but did you know your baby boy would someday be, you know, a king of kings, a lord of lords. He would rule the nations. The blind would see. The deaf would hear. Uh, that all those things were going to happen in this tiny baby's life. And uh, at Christmas time, of course, all the pictures show Jesus in the manger. Uh, at Easter, they show him on the cross. Really, he's not on the cross. He's not in the grave. He, he's not a baby. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. And by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will inform us about what's, what we need to know. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to know. But sometimes those things that God shows us don't happen just like this. They're, they're for a future time. And so our prayers, the things we're praying in that time where we're walking out through our life what God has for us uh, are very important and those prayers need to be based upon the word of God everybody say the word of God and uh, we talked about how faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God I, I would like to say to you there's no greater way to increase your faith than when you hear you praying the word of God that will increase your faith uh, greater than anyone else praying for you uh, there's something about when you begin to speak over your own life and pray over things in your own life, the word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Then you begin to see the manifestation of that. And um, we were in a meeting on Saturday. Uh, my daughter Lori shared in the women's meeting. And uh, a, a lady at her school uh, had come to her. I think I, I shared it somewhere. I don't know if I shared it in this service, but a woman that I knew from where I go uh, to get my nails done, um, and a school teacher at her school. We just, I've met her, I don't know her that well. But she came to my daughter and said, listen, we have a teacher who has a serious issue with cancer, and you need to tell your mother to get on it and pray. I think I told you that. You know, you need to get a hold of your mother and tell her. Well, then she came back later and said, have you told your mother yet? And she said, oh, no, I didn't. She said, well, we, we need this prayer to go up, and your mother's prayers work. Well, if you're a believer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, but the thing is, those righteous people have to pray. It isn't me. It's when you pray the prayer of faith, things happen. And so I want us to look at, it's James chapter 5 tonight, and uh, we're going to look at this, this for your life. Um, not only will God tell you what he's going to do, but then he expects you to begin to pray as he directs for those things to come to pass in your life or in the life of those that, you know, God has given you influence, has, has assigned to you. Uh, the person that God woke me up to pray for that night. Uh, I've, I found out later that at that very time that that happened, that person was in real need of prayer. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit knows. I was glad I found that out because it encourages me now when I wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning not to be upset but to begin to pray and ask God, what is this all about? And, you know, even if it's the enemy trying to torment me and wake me up, he will zip it if he thinks I'm going to pray. I will stay in my, yeah, I have to stay in my bed and pray, though. I can't go get Pastor Bill. Well, it says wherever two or three agree, honey, and that's, you know, I was just going with that one, right? Okay, let's look at James. It says in James <clears throat> chapter 5, and it's talking about people who are sick. It says in verse 30, 13, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Now, that says you pray for yourself. How, how many of you have ever been suffering and thought, who in the world can I call to help me get out of this mess? Like me, in bed. We can pray, and God will answer. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can pray, and God will answer. 
Uh, now, that's a righteous man. You, I'll show you in a minute what this is. Is anyone merry? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith. Everybody say, prayer of faith. Now, if it's a prayer of faith, it's a prayer based upon the word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it could say right there, and the prayer of faith, which comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. This, this next part, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Now, that righteous man is not someone who does everything right. According to 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Not our own righteousness, but through what Christ did. And so that's established by the blood of Jesus, not by our behavior. And so a righteous person is a person who knows the Lord. And it goes on and says, Elijah was a man, and I'm reading from the modern English version. Uh, Elijah was a man subject to natural passions as we are. In other words, he could get upset just like we would. Uh, he could be fearful just like we would. He could, he could emotionally be charged just as we are. But it says, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the earth brought forth its fruit. Now, both of those things were miraculous, but it, Elijah is a man like us. So I believe what the Bible's saying is we have to begin to see ourselves as a person who can operate in the supernatural through prayer. Everybody say, through prayer. We know the Bible says in Matthew 16, we can bind and we can loose. We have the keys to heaven and earth. And we, we are on this earth to operate in authority to rule and reign. We talked about that last week. Well, Elijah was a prophet. But remember we said in Hebrews, in the day we live in, through Jesus, we walk with an understanding of future things. Now, that does not make us a prophet. That does not make us a prophet. But it does say that we operate in a power that was given to us on Calvary that we can speak to a situation. Mark 11, that says in 23 and 24, speak to the mountain and it will be removed. But it's by faith. Verse 22 says, have faith in God. So the whole thing begins with faith. And the prayer of faith is powerful. Everybody say, I have powerful prayers. Now, um, I taught a whole course on prayer. And out of that meeting on Saturday, uh, I was texted by someone that said, well, if your prayers are powerful, maybe you should teach on prayer. Well, I wasn't planning on teaching on prayer tonight. But I felt like that was the last part of this. Because... Uh, we're living in a day where the enemy is challenging the word of God. The enemy is challenging people in their stand for the Lord. Uh, Elijah was a man like that. He was being challenged by Ahab. He was the worst king to that point in the word of God. It's in 1 Kings chapter um, 17. He was the worst king of all. I mean, he infuriated uh, God in his actions and how he caused Israel to sin. I want to tell you, there's a responsibility for people who cause people to believe sin is okay. Maybe I won't elaborate. Y'all are gotten quiet. But it's true. It is true. It is true. And, and that's what makes, you know, standing here preaching so important that you preach what is in the word and not how you feel about it. Could I just say that again? And uh, what the enemy is trying to do is try to silence the voice of the word. You know, he's doing it to silence people, but he wants to silence the truth of the word of God. And so we have some Ahabs uh, in our nation and around the world that are trying to come against the things of God. And I don't live in Syria. I don't live in Iran. I don't live in Iraq. I don't live in Israel. I live in the United States, but my prayers are effective in the kingdom of God. 
which is worldwide. My prayers are effective in every nation of the earth because I serve the King of kings and Lord of lords, and there's no boundary in prayer. So my prayers are powerful when they're the prayer of faith. Everybody say prayer of faith. And so this is what it says about Elisha. I'm just going to give you a few verses. Now, Elisha the Tishbite was one of the inhabitants of Gilead. And he said to Ahab, now, now Ahab, just let me back up for a second here. Um, it says, um, Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all who were born before him. The sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, were seen as minor for him to walk in, for he took Jezebel. Now, listen, you get the wrong wife, you got a serious problem. If you're single in here, pray about it. You want to make sure you get the right companion because you get, you get a screwball and you're going to have a real problem. <laughs> I just want to say that's, that's not God's word. But... It, you know, you can get you a kooky crazy, and then you are going to really, you need, a, you need a, a man or woman who speaks the word of God. And they're not moved by circumstances or what they feel, what they see, and that they know what their role is as whatever they are, male or female, and they are operating in that role with power and authority, not just as a spiritual being, but in a spouse uh, relationship that both people are operating where they're supposed to be because it takes both people being who God called them to be to make that thing work, okay? And so, you know, this, this Ahab guy, he, he was just horrible. He raised an altar in Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab made her Asherah and did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who preceded him. Just everybody say, Ahab was bad. Yes, and he... Uh, he did not like Elijah, the prophet, because the prophet said what God said. And Ahab did not like what God said, which made him, therefore, hate Elijah. And so now we are in, verse, in chapter 17. Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives. Now, this is Elijah speaking to Ahab. And he's saying, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand... There will not be dew or rain these years except by my word. That's a pretty bold statement for a man to make. And it doesn't even say in my Bible, and God told him to say this. Somewhere, he had direction from God. But he didn't say to Ahab, you know, I just want to tell you, God told me to tell you it's not going to rain. Do you believe it? See, that's the way a lot of Christians are. He didn't speak like that. He spoke with authority and said, I'm telling you, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. End of it. And he walked away. Well, he walked away to where God put him, which was by a brook, and he was fed by ravens. I want to tell you, everything you say and do for God doesn't take you to a palace. Seriously. It can put you in a place where you are stretched beyond all you know to be stretched. But that doesn't mean you have not done the right thing. And so he went to that place. Well, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the end of the rain story in a second. But, do you know, in that place, uh, he was fed every day bread and meat, morning and evening. But then the brook dried up. How many of you have ever thought you were on this mission that God gave you and then the brook dried up? And so then he ended up in the, the woman from Zarephath, uh, the widow there. And uh, he went into her house. And she was just about to the end of all of her supply. And in that place, he said to her, well, do you have any uh, meal? Do you have any, any meal to make something? And she said, um, as the Lord our God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a jar. And I'm gathering two sticks that I can go in and make it for me, my son, so we may eat it and die. Wow. That's not a very good place to be. And she doesn't have a lot of faith because this is it for hers. What she sees is what she has. So Elijah says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make a little cake for me first. Now, that's pretty bold. Make a cake for me first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for your son and you. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
Now here he begins to speak for God. The, the barrel of meal will not run out, nor will the jar of oil empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. This Elijah has all of his confidence in what God says. In other words, God is going to take care of me till it starts raining. And he's going to take care of you if you take care of me. And then when the rain comes, you know, it'll all, the, the drought will be passed. And so she does it. And, of course, it says the jar, uh, the barrel of oil did not run out, nor did the jar of oil empty according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by Elijah. There's something about speaking the word of God and the miracle happening that causes people to believe. It causes people to reach out to the Lord. That's why I believe what's going to come is a move of God where he manifests himself in the miraculous. And he's going to do it through people you would never dream he would do it through. I don't think it's, I mean, I believe it'll happen in churches, but I believe it's going to happen all over not just in a church setting. And it's going to be so surprising because they didn't have to go get Pastor Doodad to come over. You know, they didn't get their cell phone out and say, get over here to the supermarket. I got a real serious problem. You need to pray for these people. They're going to do it themselves. And when that ordinary person, which it says Elijah was a man like us, doesn't refer to him as a prophet there in James, just says an he was a man like us, like Mary. She was just a young girl, like those young girls over there in Blaze tonight. She was just a young girl. And, and, and so God wants to work through the people that he saved. He wants through, to work through those people that they live by faith and not by sight. But those people live by faith because they've heard the word of God. And that doesn't come from a pulpit like, you know, tonight. Now, I'm not saying you may go out of here and God will say, just go lay hands on them and say in the name of Jesus you're healed, and he'll heal them, and you'll be surprised, and so will the person. Because God gets all the glory. But, but when you know the word, you know your authority. And there is a day that we're living in where authority is important. And it's the thing the devil hates because what do we have more than anything else in the world today? Rebellion. And that's because... The devil is the one who hates authority, and he works in that realm of rebellion. And it says, and I'm way off track now from where we were, but it says that um, <coughs> Saul operated in rebellion, which is the sin of witchcraft. Now, there's no other way to say that except to say the devil's in charge. And so very important, very important that we become aware. Did you know? Did you know that you are like Elijah? And so these things that you read, these aren't just a story in the Bible that sounds good. This is to show us what God wants us to be. So when Jesus said, greater works will you do than I do because I go to be with the Father, what he's saying is, I'm going to impart to you this same authority. And, and that's what Jesus did. And Elijah, in the end of uh, Kings 18, he got in a big conflict with Ahab. I don't have time to do all that tonight. But he... Um, he had a, a conflict with him, and the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, stood against Elijah, who was one. Elijah said, you call on your God, I'll call on my God, and we'll see whose God shows up. They called all day long. In the end, a lot of you know the story, some of you may not, but all those prophets could not, could not get their God to show up. Elijah built a fire. And then he poured water all over it, the thing that everybody needed, water, water, water. And then he called down fire from heaven, came down into there, caught the whole thing, burned up the sacrifice. And he was the one that proved who his God was. I believe our God will show himself mighty on our behalf if we stand up for things like this. And in prayer, you may, maybe um, it's difficult for you out with people but you can do a whole lot of damage to the enemy and to his progress just by prayer in your own living room or your own closet, your own situation. Where For your house, for other people's houses, uh, I was just amazed again that when I woke up 
it was on the same time that this person was hearing something that really was a, a wound to them. And so my praying was God taking care of that person. They had no idea that that was happening, but God did. God did. That's how much he loves us. He will send someone to intercede for us. But those of us who know him, we have to begin to, to know that that's what we can do. Did you know your prayers are powerful? And so it says in verse 41 of chapter 18, after all of this, uh, Elijah said to them, arrest the pilots, uh, prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. They arrested them and Elijah brought them down to Kishon Brook and executed them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, I'm sure Ahab's a little shook by now. Get up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rainfall. There wasn't even a cloud. See, people who know God speak about what's coming before it comes. Because the Holy Spirit said we would. Uh, it says, uh, or John said in the book, or Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He will tell you what I know. And so the Holy Spirit began to, you know, through the power of God, he can speak where your situation is, where my situation is, and he can tell us things to start saying even before anybody can see that coming. That's a good word. Because I got some things I'm saying things about that people would think I, that I was a screwball. But the word is that God said it to me. So that word is more secure to me than what somebody else is telling me. And some of you that are sitting here tonight need to start believing God instead of the people who are talking your ear off. Amen. And then he goes on, it says, so Ahab got up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and threw himself down on the ground and put his face to his knees. He started praying. That's what Elijah's doing. Because I know that because of what it says in James. He prayed. Everybody say, he prayed. And it, it began to rain. He prayed and it did not rain. He prayed. Everybody say, prayer is powerful. And so, put his face between. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And his servant went up, looked and said, there's nothing. He said, well, go up again. Seven times he told him to go look. How many of you feel like you're on the 497th time? But we never give up. On the seventh time, he said, a small cloud, as small as a man's hand, is rising out of the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab. Now, this, these two really, uh, I mean, Ahab hates him. And he doesn't have a lot going for uh, Ahab. I mean, Elijah doesn't like him either, and he less likes his wife. Mount your chariot and get down so that the rain does not stop you. Now, Ahab can't even see any rain. He probably doesn't even know there's a cloud. But it goes on and it says, In the meantime, the sky turned black with clouds and the wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. In other words, he outran the screwball. Who was Ahab? Honestly, you know, sometimes you got to call it like people will remember. You're going to hear screwball, and you're going to think, yep, Ahab. Because he was not a person who did anything good for God. He did everything against God. There are many people in power today who are against God. And I say to my husband sometimes, well, you know, they better be quiet. Because they're liable to find themselves fighting against God. If God said the capital of Israel is supposed to be in Jerusalem, I wouldn't want to be up there shaking my fist in his face saying, no, it isn't. I thank God. We need to pray for uh, Nikki Haley, who's in the United Nations. She is calling that. Those are worldwide leaders. And she is calling them to task on the things that they have tried to hide and do. And she is not backing down. I, I've listened to some of her things. She's just, she's reading it right out, and she's telling them, you are this, 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 and this, and this, and this is not right. And I thank God for someone 
You know, that's like Elijah. That's saying all you Ahabs that are sitting here that are against God, and not against people, against God, and destroying people's lives for your own personal gain, that's an Elijah who speaks that way. I believe God's going to call on the body of Christ to be that because it says in Ephesians <clears throat> 4 that we are called as pastors, prophets, all those fivefold ministries, evangelists, teachers. We're called apostles to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that isn't St. Paul, St. Peter, and St. whoever. This is, we are saints because the Bible says we are. We are the saints. I was in a, in a ball game the other night, and I was, I was at a Catholic game. And uh, we, were behind, we were fighting for our lives at the end of the game and uh, to win. And, uh, of course, my sister was absolutely going crazy, yelling and screaming. And behind me, there was an, a lady who used to work with my family a long time ago at Five Point Shoes. And I heard her say, I think we need to pray. Uh, we, who do we need, St. Jude or St. You know, they were naming all the saints, trying to find which one. And I'm thinking, dear Jesus, let's just call on God. <laughs> I mean, let's just get her done here because we only got five seconds to go. We don't have time to figure out which saint we're going to call on. <laughs> I don't mean that disrespectful, but, you know, we have access through the Holy Spirit into the throne room of God. And we can call those things that are not as though they were. Now, I'm not talking about a basketball game because God loves all those players out there. I don't know how that works in heaven. But I'm just saying in, in the things that God has assigned us to do, we need to be on task at what God's asking us to do. And, and we're never out of the game. You know, it says in Luke 18, 1, uh, that we're to pray at all times. Men ought to pray always and do not faint or do not give up or do not lose heart. Different translations say it differently. John Wesley said, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. And then um, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. That's Oswald Chambers. And, and those men, you know, were men of faith. And First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, we just stay in a prayer closet all day. But when we see things, when we're going down the street, when we're in any setting, we can ask God and he will hear us. First John 5. 14 and 15 says that we have confidence in him. If you could put that, yeah, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In Isaiah, it says, my word that goes forth from my mouth will not return void. Just as the rain comes down and waters the earth, so will my word that goes forth from my mouth. And so prayer uh, is very important for us to know in our daily life. And I think it's the thing that seems to slip through the cracks a lot. A lot of people confess the word, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean you don't pray. Just because we're making the right confession, we're still called to pray. We're, we're still called to intercede and act on the behalf of our God for what he wants to do in the earth. And, um, you know, I, I want to read an article of a lady that was a friend of ours in Tulsa. But uh, one day, uh, Sue and my sister Chris and I were in here praying. And uh, God wants us to know things that the world doesn't know, that people don't know. And uh, a couple of, just a couple of times in those prayer things, and Sue would have words and Chris, and we'd pray in the Holy Spirit, and God would tell us what to pray. Um, but we were praying, and, and I just heard this. You need to bind what's happening in the basement of the Pentagon. Well, I want to tell you, folks, I was not thinking about the Pentagon. <laughs> I never think about the Pentagon. That isn't like my daily prayer life, you know. Then I know that's a, a word. Everybody say, a word. So you can think, oh, that's a dumb thought, or you can say, whoa. That is a different thought, but it may not be a dumb thought. And so we begin to intercede. I do not know to this day, but it was, this is what I heard. All the fuss that you see is not what you need to be concerned about. It's what you can't see. But the Spirit of God can see 
all things. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Then it goes on and says, and it sees everything. God sees everything. And so those words, we may never know what that was, but that doesn't excuse us from not doing what we're called to do because prayer is powerful. And so I encourage you that, uh, I, I don't know why just lately God's really been speaking to me to stay alert because there are things that he wants me not to just call those things that be not as though they are, but take the time to pray according to what I feel the Holy Spirit is showing me. And that says in the Bible, pray with all kinds of prayer. And so, you know, you, you can intercede. It may just be a, a prayer of the word of God that you feel to speak over somebody. But all of that is working. Everybody say the word is working. The word is working. And so when you pray the word of God, that's how you have effective prayer. The effective prayer of a righteous man is praying the word that God gives us for that situation. And uh, I just want to tell you about a lady because... Um, We've talked about this, did you know, and like about Jesus and his life. You know, if you look at Jesus' life, he was a man of prayer. And I love the book of Mark, the first chapter of Mark. He just, he just does a miracle right off there in the beginning, and he casts the devil out, and, and everybody goes, whoa, this guy has authority that we have not seen before. And so he got everybody's attention by his authority in prayer. But, you know, that, that situation, after that, it goes on in that chapter of chapter 1. And it says he began to pray for the sick. And he, and he began to cast out demons. And he prayed. And they began to bring the multitudes to him for him to pray for. And then it says, finally, he went away to a solitary place. And he prayed. Everybody say prayed. See, you know, that's where you fill up. That's where you get strengthened again from the battles that you've been in. And so he went ahead and prayed. When he came out of that place the next morning, they said, okay, let's keep on praying. Let's go back and help all these people. He said, no, let's, we need to move on. See, the Holy Spirit is leading you not by compassion. In other words, Jesus had compassion for all those people he prayed for. But he didn't stay in that place because he was led by the Holy Spirit to go somewhere else. And then he prayed what he had heard all night, I'm sure, in that place, directed him to go where he was supposed to go next. So in prayer, we, we hear what God's telling us to do. And that's when we begin to know. Everybody say, you need to know. You need to know. You need to know. Well, this lady, her name is uh, Lois Meyer. If you could put her picture up there. She just celebrated her 100th birthday. And uh, we knew Lois when she came to Tulsa. And uh, she, I'm just going to read a little of her story. She went to Rama Bible Institute, but she didn't do that till she was 67. Just in case you're thinking it's over. Well, it's not over till you hear the angel choirs and you see Jesus. And this is what it says. Uh, there she is at her party. Uh, just a, a wonderful woman. She loves my husband. Just love Pastor Bill. She, she graduated Rainbow, but then she came to Victory and went to mission school. Because this is what this, I'm going to read this, life is so short. Lois Meyer was alone. Her husband passed away. Her daughter was grown and married. Her long career in education had been rewarding, but she yearned for more. You know, the Holy Spirit always causes us to want more. Who was it that had the word more? It was Laurel. She said, that's the word God has given her this year, more. Well, this person longed for more. And so it says, she sat by the kitchen window talking to God. Planes passed overhead. Lois watched her heart full of longing. Lord, everybody is going somewhere but me. How many of you ever felt like that? But I want to go somewhere. Take me somewhere. And God did all around the world. Lois, Lois's prayer took flight, and the Holy Spirit prompted her to attend Rama Bible Training Center. She never hesitated. She left her home in Michigan and headed to Tulsa, uh, boarded a bus without even a place to stay. 67 years old. Well, she's about 65 at this point. She trusted God every step of the way and watched his faithful provision. Now, I know this is true because I know this lady. Uh, before long, she was living in Oklahoma, studying at Rama. 
cleaning homes for ministers. Eventually, she began living with families of ministers, caring for their loved ones while they travel. After Lois graduated from Rhema in 1977, uh, the 67-year-old embarked on her global journey, starting in the Philippines. Well, she came to our, uh, it was a missions train school last three months. She went through that, and she took off for Philippines with a, the place where I went two years ago with a, a guy from, from Victory, uh, Paul, Paul and Shadi Chase. She went there, started in the Philippines for six years. Th that was my first mission station. Now, you know, she was there till she was 73. Uh, the first time I spoke and then prayed for people, it scared me a little. They went down like firecrackers. <laughs> That's what she is, a firecracker. Uh, sometime, someone in the audience ran up and tried to hold the people upright. But Lois knew it was God. His anointing and presence that she described as a soft, soft something going through her was there as she prayed. Something was happening on the island, and God used a retired teacher to do it. See, I'm sure if her song was sung, she didn't know this verse in the beginning, just like Mary did you know. Uh, Lois spent the next 21 years, she was 90 when she stopped, on the mission field of 19 countries. See, Thelma? Get that leg moving, sister. We've got things to do. She taught, preached, prayed, and cared for people from Hong Kong to Peru, China to Bolivia, and many Spanish-speaking countries. Healings happened everywhere she went. When an assignment in a country was coming to an end, Lois always asked, Lord, where do you want me to go next? And he always told her. One time he answered, Bolivia. For how long, she said? Ten weeks. God is specific when you're following him. When she arrived, she learned that there was a Bible school run by missionaries, and she only had to work on Saturdays, so what was she going to do the rest of the week? Well, she started teaching missionary children, helping them with their schoolwork. She didn't just sit down and work Saturdays. She just kept right on going. Not one to be afraid. Lois smuggled Bibles into China nine times. She hid Bibles under her clothing. I don't imagine they were looking for her to do much. Travel, <laughs> yeah, look at that 89-year-old woman over there. She sure is heavy. Look at her now, skinny. She lost 42 pounds in five days. Now, listen, this is what she did. I can't believe this. She had Bibles under her clothing, and she traveled alone and covertly made transfers without speaking a word. It said she'd go in a bathroom with her contact person, and dump all the, empty into the stranger's suitcase, all of her Bibles, and then leave the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, literally, Superman in the closet, back out, you know, two different people. Lois says if she had known how exciting life would be, she never would have worried about the future when she was growing up. Amen? You may be a Lois. I think you are a Lois, Thelma. I'm looking right at you because you've had a heart to do this. Relying on the power of God and using her authority in the name of Jesus against darkness is nothing new to Lois. Oh, I kick the devil out all the time, she laughs. She reminds him of Matthew 28, where all the power is given to Jesus, and Luke 10, 19, where Jesus, see, she knows the word, gives power to his followers. I got, I've got that, that same power, devil, she tells him. I kick you out in the name of Jesus, and I command you to leave me alone. It's one of her secrets to staying in good health and enjoying old age. She knows how to throw the devil out. He, the devil, knows he cannot thrive in my house. Praise Jesus. Although she retired from the mission field a little more than 10 years ago, her mission is far from over. Bonnie Beadle was set to go to Honduras with her as her companion on her last mission trip, and it was just before her 90th birthday. But she did get ill in that one, and she never made that trip. But she's still ministering today. She lives in the retirement area that used to be Earl Roberts' retirement area. So she teaches Bible studies. She has a boyfriend. She's moving right on with life. And I remember this story vividly. How many of you know uh, down in, in Mexico, Roca Blanca, where we go and, and where we've supported Dwayne and Sue Kirshner for years, she took a stint there and a hurricane hit. 
and she didn't know what's even going on. <laughs> she was in her room, and they had to come and get her out a window because the water was so high she couldn't get out the door. They had to wake her up and drug her out the window and carried her to higher ground. <laughs> of course, she didn't leave. You know, it's just a hurricane. And so, you know, everybody say, God knows, and he wants you to know what he has for you. Uh, these are the things, and I'm just going to read these real quickly. It's a, a, somebody asked her, a centurion perspective. What is it like to grow older? As long as you're a Christian, it's fun to grow old. You live each day as it comes and get wiser all the time. You have experiences that make you wiser. You learn more about people, and you have more confidence. Do you have an age you want to live to? That's up to the Lord. I'm ready to go anytime, but I tell him, I don't have the work done you gave me to do. She tells God, I don't, I'm not ready yet. I'm in the middle of writing a book. The name of it is Step by Step with Jesus. See, honey, she's writing a book. She's 100. What is your next big adventure? Going to heaven. She considers that her next big adventure. I don't know why people have to be sad about going to heaven. It's the most unique, awesome, exhilarating thing you can do at the end of your life. What is your advice to others? Number one, fill your spirit with God's word as much as you can. Two, don't be afraid of death. Look forward to it. Three, don't get into strife. This is a really good one because James 3.16 says where strife is, there's confusion, every evil work. It's the opposite of John 3.16. Jesus' love gives and brings life. Learn, number four, use to learn to use the power you've been given. What do you like to spend your time on? Listen, on what matters. What do you like to spend your time on? On what matters. Years ago when I was in Tulsa and I was by myself with my kids and I was very, um, well, I was just coming out of a lot of stuff in my life and I would sit at my piano and play the piano and I would sing out of this Baptist songbook, a hundred songs from a Baptist. It, it said Baptist songbook. And I still have it in my office. I get it out every now and then. And there's a song in there that says, uh, only what's done for Christ will last. And there's a song like that. And uh, I just encourage you, uh, as this Christmas comes and we start a whole new year, uh, ask God if you're on track for his plan. For your life. Am, am I where I need to be? Uh, am, I, am I thinking the way I should be thinking? Uh, am I speaking the way I should be speaking? Am I, am I fulfilling what I'm supposed to be doing spiritually uh, to keep my family where they need to be? You know, that doesn't mean everybody will be doing the right thing, but am I doing my part? I felt the other day to write down all the people in my family uh, my grandma prayed for me uh, years ago when I was 18. She told me, God wants you to play that organ in the church, and I've told the board, and you're playing the organ. <laughs> my mother said, you will do what your grandma says. Grandma Molly, oh, boy. She looked like she was going to take somebody out. <laughs> She'd come in her black dress, her black shoes. She had this pew she sat in, and she'd look at me over there at that organ and I'd just play for Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't going to not do what Grandma said. You know, but I know she prayed for me. And that's probably why I'm doing what I'm doing today. She started a church years ago with three other people. And she was a strong woman. Scared the life out of me. But she used to say, you girls, God's going to get you for the way you treat your mother. Chris and I'd straighten right up till she left. <laughs> and then go right back at it. Um, but, you know, she did scare us. But I know she was praying because I know what happened in my life. And God told me, I, I called you way back there. Well, I'll tell you who called me was Grandma. <laughs> but I believe it was God using my Grandma to tell me, you get yourself over to that organ. We bought that for this church, and somebody's going to play it, and somebody is you. And I didn't even know how to play an organ. I had to take two lessons to figure out what to do with the pedals. But I did that in all my sophomore, junior, senior year in high school. I played that organ for her.
But I know that her prayers brought me to where I am today. And I was praying the other day. I felt like God said, write down everybody that you should be praying for that is under your sphere of influence and your authority. And so I believe that's why my nephew's one of our assignments. Years ago in Tulsa, I began to read and pray over myself John Osteen's prayer called There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. And in it, it, one of the things was, me and my whole household will serve Jesus. Well, that little nephew of mine's in my house. And so he is never going to get away from Jesus. No matter what happens in his life, he cannot get away because he's in my household. I thought, dear God, I'm going to be, I'll be at the river, folks, praying every day. It's going to take two hours to get through the list. There are so many now because I got, I got somebody above me, all these below me. I mean, you know, I got generations to pray for. But we all have people that are assigned to us. So ask God this year, okay, I'm on it. I'll start with prayer because your prayers are powerful. Amen? Let's stand. Father, tonight I pray for everybody here. And I, I just feel to pray tonight that um, we would have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God this year. That's in the Bible, that we would hunger and thirst for the word of God. And that we would begin to use the word of God because it's a weapon that God has given us to use the authority that he's given us in the earth to bring forth what he wants to do in our household, in our own personal lives, but in our household and in the household of faith, people that God has assigned us to. And uh, if you if you feel like, you know, tonight you're here and, and, and you just... You've never really given your heart to Jesus, so some of this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you. Until you receive Jesus, your spirit can't come alive to the things of God. You can hear about Jesus, but you, you can't really experience uh, him in your own heart because it's when you receive Christ that the Holy Spirit comes and begins to take over in your life and begins to show you things that God has prepared for you from the foundation of the earth and so if you're here tonight you've never received Jesus I want to pray for you before you go tonight if that's if you would like to know Christ and have Christ and his word operating in your heart because he said I'll write my word in your heart I will write it in your heart and and so if that's you would you just lift your hand because I don't want to close tonight without asking and giving everybody opportunity to receive Jesus